We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, you. Yes, you. Did you know that you can go to prizepicks.com slash packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100? So yeah, you should probably get on that right now. So on Monday night, we've got a semi-interesting Raiders-Lions game that has the potential to be a lot more interesting if you're using prize picks. So here's what I'm going with for Monday night. I'm going Jamison Williams, more than 26.5 receiving yards. If you didn't hear, Amon Ross St. Brown has a illness. Not sure if he's going to be able to go. Even if he does go, he may not be 100%. I'm assuming they're going to move the ball around quite a bit and get a lot of different receivers and tight ends involved. I think they're going to try to get Jamison Williams open often. And if he just gets one big reception, which is kind of what Jamison Williams is known for, he's going to go over on that 26.5 receiving yards, possibly in just one play. I'm also going Jacoby Myers, less than 61.5 receiving yards. Devontae Adams has asked for the ball more. I have a feeling Devontae Adams is going to get the ball more, and that could mean less shares of receptions and yards and targets for Jacoby Myers. So Jamison Williams, more than 26.5 receiving yards. Jacoby Myers, less than 61.5 receiving yards. If you haven't tried prize picks yet, highly recommend it. It's really fun and easy. It makes your game day experience even more entertaining. So go to prizepicks.com slash packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash packaday, P-A-C-K-A-D-A-Y. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast welcome back to another episode of the pack a day podcast you can get all your pack a day updates by following us on twitter at pack a day podcast remember to subscribe to the podcast on apple Podcasts, google play tune in stitcher or spotify and, of course, you can always check us out at CheeseheadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I'm joined by both Andrew Mertzig and Maggie Loney. Another week of Packers football, you guys, and another week where we are left with lots and lots of questions. So we're here to talk about it. But uh, first, how are you guys doing? I thought that I would just start out the podcast so painfully slowly that people would question if I'm even here prepared or maybe even alive. 
<laughs> then I'll show like a little bit of promise towards the middle, only to disappoint listeners in the end. Oh, wait, that's not me. That's just my favorite football team every week. How are you doing, Maggie? There's a really like low hanging joke here, but I'm not going to take it. But I will say that that was like the saddest I've ever heard Kyle do the intro. (laughs) (laughs) It was the most somber, depressing, like, hey, welcome back. back. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the that's the vibe this week. Jeez, yeah, I thought about that after about halfway through that intro. Maybe we should re-record, but we're not going to do that. So, uh, yeah, the Vikings came to town, and the Packers' offense continued to be absolutely abysmal. They couldn't get into anything that even resembled a rhythm for much of the game. And the defense, well, they were actually kind of solid against the run, were completely allergic to the third down and stopping anyone on third down and just kind of gave away first downs on third down all afternoon. At the end of the day, it was 24 to 10 in favor of Minnesota. And of course, in painful losses, there's always lots of finger pointing, lots of frustration and lots of questions. And we're not here with all of the answers to those questions. We are far from anywhere close to having answers to what's going on in Green Bay right now. But we're here to walk with you through this one and talk about what did happen out there in week eight for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, one of the reasons why I like going through what actually happened and doing these game breakdowns is because it's easy to just look at the box score and be like three and out, 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 six and out. Um, But that doesn't always tell the entire story. And I think there's a lot more to what happened today to the Packers, um, by the Packers, than uh, just the results would show. And so the Packers, of course, open the game up with the ball. They do go three and out. But obviously a little bit more to it than that. They convert on a great play, an absolute dime from Jordan Love to Romeo Dobbs on the sideline. But Rasheed Walker was ineligibly downfield. They get a free play and Jaden Reed is overthrown and just doesn't really run it out. So it's like they finally got that free play with the defender jumping in the neutral zone and then they don't capitalize on it. Dylan gets stuffed when the Packers just refused to block Harrison Smith like just didn't block him at all uh, otherwise probably would have picked it up so that's a three and out but there were a lot of opportunities for the Packers to convert there the Vikings come back and drive the ball down the field Quay Walker drops what should have been a game-changing interception that was deep in uh, or very early in the drive the Packers would have had the ball deep into Vikings territory uh, the Vikings kick a what I would consider a cowardly field goal attempt uh, on a fourth and one, and they miss, so they they get their due for that decision. The Packers go three and out again with an Aaron Jones and Luke Musgrave drop, really just not helping Jordan Love out at all. The Vikings get aided by two 15-yard penalties on their second drive, an absolutely terrible call against Jonathan Owens. Called a hit on a defenseless receiver to his head, but like there was nothing there. And then a dumb play by Kingsley and Igbare. And that's just giving the Vikings field position. Keyshawn Nixon blows the coverage on TJ Hawkinson, which sets up the Vikings inside the red zone and then an eventual Cam Akers touchdown run. Love takes a really bad sack on the next drive, and the Packers go three and out again to close the first quarter. Uh, Packers do not pick up a first down in the first quarter. 
Yeah, this is just a frustrating quarter because, like you said, there were so many self-inflicted issues here that a Week 8 football team should have cleaned up by now. The love to Dobbs play was just a thing of beauty, so of course you knew that wasn't going to stand the second that it happened. Quay dropped the pick, the Vikings missed the field goal, and that missed field goal honestly felt like it opened a window for the Packers. And that window was quickly slammed shut by their inability to get absolutely anything going on offense. Yeah, absolutely. The Vikings did then start out with the ball in the second quarter. The Packers defense gets them in third and eight, a theme in this game. And KJ Osborne finds a huge hole in the zone. Jordan Addison with a big gain on a screen and TJ Hawkinson with a big catch to follow that 59 yards and three plays when it looked like the Vikings drive was over uh, and they didn't really have a lot of momentum. Again, the ups and downs of the defense. They are finally able to buckle down. They hold the Vikings to a field goal, but it is 10-0 Minnesota at that point. The Packers do get a first down, finally, uh, on a second straight Aaron Jones rush, but John Runyon Jr. gets called for a hold. So that also ends up being a three and out. Uh, the Vikings get another first down and a third down conversion. Again, major theme of the day, but the Packers do hold and get the ball back on a punt, and the Packers this is to end the half. Finally pick up a first down on Aaron Jones' catch, then a second on a Jones run. Dobbs makes a catch for a third first down, but it wasn't really a catch. Uh, he ended up dropping it as he was going out of bounds. A whole lot of miss, uh, a whole lot of mess here. A bunch of penalties. But Aaron Jones picks up a first on a nice catch out of the backfield. Nice pickup on a check down to A.J. Dillon. First down over the middle of Musgrave. The Packers are absolutely cooking, but they have to settle for a field goal from Carlson. Kind of poor clock management here. I don't know what I would have done differently necessarily, uh, but you know, running out of time on that drive was not necessarily a great look when they went into it with all three timeouts. Andres Carlson does doink it on the right upright, which seemingly ended the half, but thankfully Minnesota was offside. Carlson then comes back and makes it. It is 10-3 Vikings at halftime. The Packers had eight penalties for 69 yards in the first half. Yeah, penalties were kind of the theme for this Packers team all game long. Really, really heavy the first half, and then it really just kind of continued throughout the rest of the game. Obviously, there really wasn't a flag on every play, but it kind of felt that way. Uh, but it was just, it was that penalty at the end of the half on Minnesota that did give the Packers that mulligan and give them a second chance to get on the board there before the half. And uh, so as bad as things were, and as much as the offense struggled, you kind of felt pretty thankful that the score was just 10 to three going into halftime. Yeah, and I think, you know, if you're the Packers, you feel like you come out in the second half, you have a little bit of momentum. The offense finally moved the ball. Like you you mentioned, Kyle, the score now is a one-possession game. Uh, but the Vikings do come out on their opening drive. They go 13 plays, 75 yards in 5 minutes and 35 seconds to score a TJ Hawkinson touchdown. They converted 3rd and 9, 3rd and 1, 4th and 1, and 3rd and goal from the 2 on that drive. Just Absolutely devastating for the defense. Just could not get off the field or stop K.J. Osborne and T.J. Hawkinson. Uh, the Packers get the ball back for the first time in the second half. Third and long, and Love throws one up to Jaden Reed. It is a tough catch to make. There is a lot being made of this on Twitter already and will continue to be. Uh, it, was, it was the right place to throw the ball by Jordan Love, uh, based on the film that I have seen so far. 
It was in Jaden Reed's hands, but Josh Metellus goes up and just rips it out of his hands for an interception. Then a one-play drive touchdown throw to Jordan Addison. It is 24-3 Vikings. This one seems really out of touch. People are already tweeting about draft position uh, midway through the third quarter. The Packers go 81 yards on 14 plays and 504 capped off by Romeo Dobbs touchdown catch. Everything looked really difficult, but they do finally punch it in the end zone on fourth down, and that closes the gap to 24-10 Minnesota. Yeah, I think this touchdown honestly just felt like it was a stop the bleeding kind of touchdown. I mean, things turned so, so quickly to start the second half with the interception and the quick score that Green Bay needed that touchdown to at least start to kind of turn things around. But like you said, everything looked so much harder than it needed to. And I really think that that's unfortunately the identity of this offense right now, if it has any identity at all. It's that the easy things are hard and the hard things are impossible. Yeah, it's a it's a painful thing to watch. Uh, so the Vikings, uh, you know, all the momentum is in favor of the Packers at this point, but then a huge kick return by Ty Chandler. But thankfully, there was a penalty on the Vikings. A third down stop is for not because there is a 15 yard roughing the passer on Rashawn Gary. Just a little editor's note here. Uh, Gary hits him helmet up. It's face mask to face mask. I know that is technically a penalty, but the NFL just has to change that rule. There is literally nothing Rashawn can do in that situation except slow up and just not hit cousins. So, like, I don't know. I I, don't, I feel really bad for Rashawn because what are you supposed uh-huh. to do there? It's followed by a big gain to Hawkinson, another third down conversion where Devondre Campbell missed a tackle on Brandon Powell. Vikings end up going 14 plays, 60 yards, 7.57 off the clock. But two sacks force the Vikings into a longer field goal attempt, and then that ends up being blocked by Carl Brooks, returned by Jonathan Owens, and the Packers get the ball back. Nice catch over the middle by Christian Watson. Love with a sensational throw in the arms of Vikings defender. Uh, that Love was in the arms of a Vikings defender. Complete to Dontavian Wicks. Jaden Reed with a nice pickup on quick pass. Dontavian Wicks, though, with a brutal, costly drop that probably is a first down and likely a touchdown. Instead, the Packers do end up turning it over on downs two plays later. Jaron Hall in the game at this point uh, with the Kirk Cousins injury. He fumbles on a strip sack by Preston Smith to give the Packers an immediate chance. A one-yard run, a sack, a throw up to Christian Watson in the end zone, and then a 15-yard scramble on fourth and 16 is another turnover on downs. Uh, Minnesota has to punt after that. Big punt return by Keyshawn Nixon, but of course... There's another penalty. Jordan Love with a near miss to Dobbs, a big hit to Reed, a nice pickup to Wicks, and then a just miss on a would-be touchdown to Watson to get to the two-minute warning. Uh, from there, it was just pretty much running out the clock. Yeah, there were. I mean, just going through this, this is like this is. I don't know if I would say therapeutic, but it's interesting to work back through this and talk about so many chances this team had from like the turnovers, the block kick, like. Just things that like could have turned the tide and they just didn't. But a lot of almost plays at the end of this game especially. And it's hard to fault Love in a lot of ways. He missed a few throws by inches or feet. But in that situation at the end of this game, he's he's forcing throws, right? He's just trying to make a play, make something happen when the offense isn't doing anything. And I know people are all over the map on Jordan Love right now. And he certainly hasn't been perfect, right? Like that's let's not get this twisted. I'm not saying he's been awesome. It's tempting when you lose a Hall of Fame quarterback, though, in Aaron Rodgers to assume that the current struggles exist because of a new quarterback. But honestly, how much better is this team right now if Aaron Rodgers is still the quarterback? And I just don't know 
that they're maybe they're a little better. Like there's a couple situations where maybe the Packers, you know, came out of some of those close games in the middle of, of the schedule with with a win when they, you know, ended up being a lot. I don't know. I, I'm honestly not sure. There are so many issues, though, right now. And we saw Rodgers struggle with a very, very similar roster last year. I just think it's unfair to assume that that changes a lot if 12 is back on this team. Love had several wow throws, though, in this game, right? The throw across his body to Wicks in the middle of the field with pressure in his face. The completion to, to Dobbs along the sideline in the first quarter, of course, that we talked about that was called back because of that penalty. Lots of good stuff on film from Jordan Love. I think there were two notable plays where you really wish Love had been better. Like, it was obvious. There's the play early in the game where Reed was wide open on an in-breaking route, and Love just – I just he just didn't see him. It's hard to know why he didn't see him or what Reed that was in the progression, but he didn't see it. Rashid, Rashid Walker was beaten really badly, and Love took a sack there, which brought up a brutal third and 17 situation. So Love was under pressure, but he still should have been able to get that out to Reed and avoid that situation. Not sure what happened there. And then the throw in the fourth quarter to Dobbs – that just absolutely had no mustard on it, and it died before it got to 87. But really, outside of those two plays, like, Love was all right. Like, this wasn't a game where you were just like, man, like, this guy is is just blowing it out there. It's hard to look good when the ground is crumbling around you. And I'm not saying that Love looked great, right? But if you built a list of what's wrong with Green Bay and this team right now, I just don't think that you can put Jordan Love in the top five of that list. And honestly, I think he's shown a lot of poise considering his situation, right? Considering how frustrating things have been on the field. He's a first-time starter playing with an inexperienced supporting cast with a seriously suspect offensive line with little to no running game. Like, let me pause right there for a second. Maybe I was the only person, but when the Packers had uh, third and one from the from the goal line and they brought in the big jumbo package and they ran it up the gut with Aaron or AJ Dillon it just kind of felt like you kind of knew that that stuff was coming because there was no running game coming and you just kind of were like let him let him pass the ball in that situation of course they got the touchdown to Dobbs on the following play on fourth down so they got the score but there's no running game here assisting Jordan Love at the moment and so the fact that he's not self-destructing in frustration right now is almost more impression, more impressive, rather. So I just think we got to continue to keep this in context, to be patient and kind of wait it out because we don't know whose fault this is. And to say that it's a young quarterback in these circumstances is really, really, I think, jumping the gun and getting ahead of ourselves. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way? In college, I personally dealt with an addiction that was tough to get over, and while my mind kept telling me to do the right things, and I wanted to do the right things, it was always hard trying to make the right choices in real time. What I eventually found out was that therapy can help you figure out what's holding you back and how to work for yourself instead of against yourself. Therapy has helped me with my past struggles and helped make me a better person today for my friends and my family. Therapy has helped me learn my trigger points, my destructive habits, and what positive steps to take to ensure that those negative behaviors turn into positive ones. If you're even thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be catered to your schedule, and flexible to your individual needs. The best part is that BetterHelp is so easy to sign up for. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. 
Make your brain your best friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Packaday to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Packaday. Yeah, it, it's very reactionary to put the blame in any one spot. And I think that's why this team and this offense in particular is just so confusing because it feels like week after week we could come on here and we could hit play on last week's episode and we could like go watch Sunday Night Football and everything that we said about last week's game would still apply. Yeah. And, you know, the Packers had one rushing first down the entire game, one rushing first down. They went 35% on third downs, once again didn't score in the first quarter, and took almost a halftime to put up three points, had the ball 13 minutes less than the Vikings. We knew, too, of course, that the Vikings, who had not rushed for a single touchdown all season, were going to get their first rushing touchdown against Green Bay today. Like That was basically written in the stars when we saw that statistic, that that was going to happen. And I think that's just been the theme of this entire season, is that you know exactly what's going to happen, for better or for worse. And you still don't have any answers, even when you are given a cheat sheet. Can can I just jump in really quick? Yes. I, I just wanted to say, Kyle and Maggie, both to your points, it is so incredibly frustrating when the Packers have second and one and they can't pick up the one, right? Yes. Like second and goal from the one or two. Yeah. And it's like, is Matt LaFleur watching any of the other games in the NFL or college football because I know nobody does it as well as Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. I get it. And the Packers' interior offensive line may be suspect. But the idea that you can't pick up one yard when you have a very large, strong, athletic quarterback and just putting him under center and pushing him forward. And guess what? You can put A.J. Dillon behind him and have him push him forward. And, like, I, I don't know. They went out of shotgun three consecutive plays mm-hmm. when they needed one yard. And it's just – it's really frustrating to me to to see that, knowing that, like, you have kind of a cheat code there that everybody else in the NFL is taking advantage of and you're not. Well, and now – I don't know if you guys saw it today in Philly – they basically ran a fake tush push that scored yeah. a touchdown yeah, because like yeah. now they're like, oh, you you figured out how to stop it? Psych. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. That would have been an interesting call there in that situation. I mean, multiple situations they could have done that, but especially like the goal line situation that I just referenced a second ago. For me, that was the gut check moment because I didn't realize exactly how I felt about it until they, you know, they changed the personnel out and they went big personnel and they were going to run the ball. And just knowing that your running game is that unhelpful that you would rather on on third and one from the one go spread and like try to pass the ball like I just feel like that is a big indictment on where this offense is right now that you I have very very little confidence that trying to pick up one yard is is seems way harder running it up the gut than it does to try to pass the ball so I don't know like I think we're in an interesting spot and obviously play call in that situation would have been really interesting to maybe call something like a sneak or something a little bit more innovative there. But yeah. Um, and I just, I just want to nominate a couple names. If the Packers decide to go for it, the love shove is, is one, maybe the squeak sneak, like squeak cheese. I don't know. Oh gosh. All right. Uh, I think, I think the way that the season is trending, Andrew, I think we're going to have more time to come up with, you know, some potential nominees for that. So, so uh, you know, feel free, listeners, send those into the show. That'll be a, a weekly segment on the show now, what what we should call that. My, but, um, um, can I just, I want to put mine in yes, the running, yes. and it's the have? Lambo bleep, because you oh. swear, because they don't actually get the first <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 
<laughs> I actually like that. That's really good. Um, yeah, it's, that's like the new, that's the new run the table, right? This is uh, what the season is called, actually, at this point, the Lambeau Bleep. Okay, um, this is a lot more fun when the Packers win the game or at least look like a competent NFL football team, which is not happening at the moment. But let's talk about, like, who were some of these players that really impacted the game this week? Of course, they didn't help get the win. But if you have to make nominations for players of the game, who are you going to throw out there this week? Yeah, I, I picked TJ Slayton, and I thought he was really wreaking havoc in the Vikings' backfield all day. We know the Vikings' run offense is bad, but the Packers really held them to nothing most of the day. I thought Slayton was a huge part of that, largely living in the Vikings' backfield. I thought he played really, really well. And just an honorable mention, since I see nobody picked him, but I thought Preston Smith had a really fantastic game as well. Yeah, I, I definitely wanted to give mine to TJ Slayton as well. So really good pick there. Super dominant all game. I'm going to say AJ Dillon here. And I know that sounds really weird since we were literally just talking about how this run game has been abysmal. But, you know, Love had the most rushing yards today for this team for starters. But Dillon actually led the team with five receptions. And it felt like Love was looking to him in some key moments. And for the most part, I thought Dillon capitalized when he was a receiver. So for as much as we've ragged on him this season and pointed out all of his poor performances or things we wish that he could have done better, I wanted to also give him some kudos here for being, I thought, one of the few sparks on offense, not as a runner again, but as a receiver. Yeah, and for, I mean, we know that Aaron Jones isn't maybe to the health standard that the Packers want him to be at, but it does seem like the Packers don't feel like they can fully put that workload back on him. And I do feel like the last couple of weeks, A.J. Dillon has contributed more. And like you said, in the passing game today was a big factor there. So um, I, I'm going to put Keyshawn Nixon in here really quickly. And I know Andrew mentioned like he, he had some lapses in coverage today, uh, the t- big T.J. Hawkinson play one one of those but we've ripped Keyshawn Nixon because he hasn't been the contributor that we would hope that he would be as a returner so far this year after getting paid and those kinds of things but uh, he had a decent game for the Packers today he had an especially impactful first half he knocked out the touchdown pass to Addison and saved the score there that if things could have you know gone better the rest of the game that might have been a really really important play and then he came up with a big hit on third and three to break up what would have been a first down completion there um, as well later in the game. So Keyshawn Nixon showing up and at least, you know, you love those guys who are just mixing it up and fighting the whole game, even when things are not going well. And I thought Keyshawn did that today. But oh, so those are the players. Um, what about some plays, you know, individual plays that could have been turning points in this game that you guys saw out there today? Yeah, I mean, this kind of feels like the obvious one, but the Jaden Reed catch that got stolen by Josh Metellus, I mean, that was such a momentum swing. It felt like the Packers were actually going to get a drive going and connect for a big gain down the field. And instead, the ball is returned 43 yards the other way. Literally the next play, Cousins finds Addison over Jair for a touchdown. And suddenly, it's 24-3 to Vikings. So those are the kinds of holes that the Packers seem to find themselves in week after week, where mistakes just compound, and then it becomes impossible for them to get back into games. So instead of this promising drive, you know, and you're, you're sitting in midfield and maybe starting to get into a little bit of a rhythm on offense, everything just completely stalls out in front of you. Yeah, and I picked a different rookie receiver, and that is the Dontavian Wicks drop. As as bad as this performance was, the Packers had a chance to get within seven points with about five minutes left in the game, knowing that the Vikings probably weren't going to be able to move the ball. Jordan Love hits Wicks between the one and the three on a slant, and Wicks just flat out dropped it. 
nothing going right for this team, but a chance to have a chance at an unlikely and probably undeserved comeback really, I thought, ended on that play. Yeah, and I think a lot of fans have been clamoring for more Dontavian Wicks, and we did get to see him have some pretty cool opportunities in this game today, but not able to come up with the big play when it mattered most there. But we always try to highlight the injuries uh, that happened throughout the course of the game because obviously those impact uh, who the Packers will have available in the coming weeks. And we didn't get maybe the brutal news that we have uh, in the last couple weeks. Uh, the players weren't dropping like flies like they have. Uh, but we did get uh, one one injury, one to mention for sure. And the Packers benched Rashid Walker in favor of Yash Nyman in the second quarter. I believe it was the second quarter uh, because Matt LaFleur obviously is on Twitter. And so he asked, saw us asking him for this uh, to take place. But then Nyman is your injury update. He picked up an ankle injury. So we did see Rashid Walker back in the game. Uh, haven't seen an update there later, but I've seen it reported as a foot injury and as an ankle injury. So something to monitor there as we get a little bit closer to next week. Yeah, just really brutal. Yash looked pretty good um, yeah. early early on, even though the Packers weren't necessarily moving the ball super well. Um, when, when he came in, it seemed like things suddenly changed and we've been clamoring for a move like that. And so yeah. you'd like to see that out. And so hopefully it's nothing major and we can, we can see what this lineup looks like with Yash. Uh, coming back and hopefully it also just kind of serves as a wake-up call for Rashid Walker. I do want to talk just really quick um, amongst uh, the three of us since we won't get a chance to talk again until after the trade deadline is do you see the Packers making any moves before Tuesday's uh, trade deadline on Halloween? Uh, Rumors are the Packers have been in talks about some running backs and maybe adding. I don't know if that changes after uh, you know, this performance, but also just knowing that the Packers try to be in all of the talks. So maybe that's where some of those whispers are coming from. Um, or could they possibly even be sellers? Things like Preston Smith, Devondre Campbell, Keyshawn Nixon, maybe even Aaron Jones. Do you, do you see any moves happening at all? Uh, are there ones that you'd advocate for? Or is there, you know, are, are you thinking young team just stand pat? It's a really good question. I think like, Obviously, the last couple of weeks have kind of informed the way that we probably see this conversation going a little bit more. Um, it feels like this is the annual tradition where we bring up names like Will Fuller and Robbie Anderson, <laughs> right? Like those are the, those are the guys that always were rumored to come to Green Bay at trade deadlines. And um, but I mean, this year I don't I don't think that we should be buyers. Like I think that we should probably be be sellers. Uh, it'll be interesting though, and I'm curious to hear. Maggie's thoughts and, and yours too, Andrew, just like, do we think that this this current front office is secure enough to hold tight and ride it into next year? Or is there a little bit of panic because this team is not performing up to the standard that even in a retooling or rebuilding year that a lot of people would have would have expected? Like are should we could we see some desperation moves here to try to repair what is kind of in disarray right now? I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think the easy answer here is that Devonte Adams and Jonathan Taylor are both going to get traded to Green Bay and then the Packers <laughs> are going to go 12 and 5. Yeah. And all of your problems are solved. But yeah. no, I mean, I've thought about this quite a bit. And, you know, we had this debate, right, for the entire offseason and preseason about like what a veteran on offense have made a difference in the wide receiver room, in the tight end room. And it felt like the general maybe consensus was like, yeah, like Mercedes Lewis would have been nice. But that ship sailed, so you got to let the young guys get their reps. 
I just don't think at this point there's really anybody that can move the needle in an effective way to even help Jordan Love's evaluation. You know, like if if you I don't think the Packers necessarily have the budget to go out and find like a decent ish veteran wide receiver or tight end that they would want to like rent for half of a season or a season and a half if they stay another year. And I don't know if you necessarily want to do that at this point. So I think the Packers, as stubborn as they are in their draft and development mentality, probably say it is what it is and just hope that they see internal improvements, even though it might be at the detriment of the evaluation of their quarterback. Yeah, and I I think, you know, maybe there is a veteran wide receiver out there, kind of a journeyman type that the Packers can get for a late round pick. They are going to have a plethora of draft selections. I don't think giving up one, uh, you know, a fifth, sixth, seventh rounder is going to hurt them too much. Um, And that might help a little bit. uh, But as far as being sellers, that just seems very un-Green Bay-like. I don't think there's going to be a lot of panic here. Uh, Maybe if somebody comes in and offers something decent for Devondre Campbell or Preston Smith, you know, maybe you could see that happening, but I think that is pretty unlikely given the history of this organization and and what Brian Gutekunst has has looked to do so far. So yeah, I, I think I'm in the same place as you. I guess the the scenarios that like I can see, we know that the Packers have kind of kicked the can around the idea of adding a running back. It sounds like with the Jonathan Taylor rumors and things like that. I I can see them having some interest still in a running back. My hope would be if they could find someone who they felt like could contribute this year, but also help them in the future. And if they can find a player who will help them next year and not just this year, then I can see them doing that. I don't know that I would do that, but I could see them doing that. The other thing I could totally see is if there was a way for them to feel like they could make an upgrade along the offensive line um, that could potentially do the same thing, be a player who could help this year, you could you know, you could make the argument that it's worth doing to help Jordan Love this year. And then again, if he was a player that was going to stick around for a year after, that could be an investment. But we know that offensive linemen don't grow on trees. And there are very few teams in the NFL, even teams that are horrible, that are unlikely just to jettison a decent, you know, offensive lineman that would be potentially a starter for another team like the Packers. So just not a lot of room here for seeing the Packers make a move that would be impactful, I don't think. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we we saw the Bears as a really, really bad team last year be buyers with Chase Claypool, and that flamed out. Don't get yeah, me wrong. I right. know it did. I was very much advocating not to trade for Chase Claypool, but I think that's a wrong player in that situation. I think I think the idea behind it may be not so bad, right? Adding a really young player who you're going to have under contract for a couple of seasons. Packers probably won't give up a premium draft pick like that, but if a similar situation pops up where they can add a, a young, uh, you know, player that they're going to have for a couple of seasons, especially as you mentioned, the running back room where they don't really have anybody securely under contract going into 2024. But that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packer Day Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore pundit, Maggie at Maggie J Loney, and also check out Packs What She Said. And you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please subscribe to the Packaday Podcast and consider giving us a five-star review. You get to Kyle, Maggie, and myself every single Monday. And we'll be back next week with a breakdown of the Packers' Week 9 game against the L.A. Rams. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember...
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.